to Crit Club, a podcast where four friends sit around and uh, take a look at movies from the Criterion Collection uh, and see whether we enjoy them or not. All first-time movies and all uh, super exciting. My name is Chris. And hi, I'm Peter Allen Clark. Hi, I'm Angela Hawkabout. Hi, I'm Corey. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, yeah, today we are discussing our spooky Halloween uh, pick from the Criterion Collection, uh, 1973's Theater of Blood, starring Vincent Price and a very young and beautiful Diana Rigg in a very fake mustache, um, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, uh, this was my pick for the week. Um, I'm a huge Vincent Price fan, and uh, everything he does is gold to me, but uh, spoilers. Um, but I'd like to hear what you guys thought about this movie. Oh, there's going to be controversy. There's going to be controversy. Oh, is there con- we'll start it off then. What's the controversy? You go first then, Angela. I couldn't finish the film. <laughs> Whoa! Yes! <laughs> Shenanigans! Shenanigans, um, it's called. No, and no, I, so I got to like the 37 minute mark. You don't like uh, horror. I mean, let's. let's okay, yeah, let's be that. clear here. Um, I, I'm not a horror fan at all. Um, horror for me, I, I might have very poor boundaries with my filmmaking in that I don't like, it feels very real to me when I'm in a watching a movie, I'm there to be like a part of it and experience, be part of the experience. So for me, horror stuff, it cuts too close and it might be a hereditary thing because my dad like is infamous among his friends where like they watch psycho and my dad like, leapt off the chair at one point where like don't go in there don't go in there no and like ran behind a couch and hid and so there is i it's it's visceral for me it's like uh it could be me and given this year i don't i can't live through that so but i i was at 37 minutes but chris is a dear friend and i was like i seriously considered just like not going back to it like that was it but then I felt like I would let all of you down. So I was I, I said, nope, I'm going to try it again. And I did. And I got to about uh, the uh, I got uh, like another hour in. So I'm like in the last 15 minutes and I'm just like, I, I, I'm sorry, everybody. And, and I did do a little fast forwarding just because the gruesome stuff just it gets me. So it's just not good. It's just bad, wait, bad, bad, bad. And it's, wait, I'm just. And now I'm just curious, though. So what is it? Was it like the gore and like that? The st- was that what caused it? Because I would because I wouldn't call because I would very hesitatingly call this a horror movie. I would I mean, struggle with like a horror comedy. The horror it's, definition. It is a yeah. comedy thing. But I just don't even like it's the ideas, right? The idea of people getting their heads cut off or um, like the And the anticipation as like this is kind of torturous. Right. To watch these people as they realize that they're about to get killed in these horrible, gruesome ways. And I know for you guys who love horror, this is not super gruesome. But for me, who really, really, really doesn't like it. And this is by no means like I want you guys to keep picking horror movies because there is going to be now a new feature (laughs) on this show where like, can it is it a horror film that Angela will complete? Um, And I want to like I, I 
I was really trying so hard on the like the rest of the watch. Like I'm like I this want was to a like, late pick. I was uh, I was like oh, was this, so this should be doable for everybody. I'm well, I'm so <laughs> yeah. like, I'm sorry to stick on this. I'm so like I'm sorry to stick on this. But I have like a, like I'm really very curious because we watched the lore. Uh, dedicated fans know, and you at home can go back and watch the lore. And that scene of like the surgery and the lore was like kind of really unsettling to me. Okay, like okay. unsettling in a way that like. Most of the horror movies, a great percentage of the horror movies I've watched this year have not been. Okay, well, let's compare these two situations, right? In the lore, this woman, Mermaid, is trying to transform herself. And she has made this choice. This is a consensual thing. This is something she, as ill-advised as it is, something she wants to do. And I don't mind. There's some, I've watched all of Game of Thrones. I am not just anti-gore. I am anti-torture, right? I am anti Horrible oh, people situation. get tortured in this movie. Hell yeah. Like getting, uh, I, I can't put myself in the shoes as a, of a mermaid, uh, who's, who wants legs. That's, that's like, that has, that never, ever has the ever chance of happening. But I, I don't know if maybe this is because I'm the only woman here, but like, you know, in my life, if I walk around at night, park in my car, I, you know, I'm worried that I will get hit or hurt by someone because that's sure. what happens to women. Okay. So I live in a scary world. Horror isn't one of those things that it's, I just don't have a high tolerance for it. And this year, even more so, uh, I, it's just not, I want, believe me, I was excited about this. I think Vincent Price is a treasure and I loved how he hammed it up. And that was the most interesting part of this film for me. But when I'm putting, you know, we're in the week before our big election. Um, I've been through wildfire smoke, um, health issues, um, you know, my worst nightmare that I had as a, a postpartum mom was that uh, there would be a, an international crisis and I wouldn't be able to protect my children from it. That happened this year. And so I just don't have the space to be like, oh, this is just a fake movie. This is just super funny. It's just too much for me. But I, well, I, I do have a, I, but I like I do have a very important question though. Did you see the trampoline fencing scene? <laughs> okay, that's where I stopped. That's where I I stopped. I was like, oh, he just got uh, lured into the the fencing, and I'm like, do I want to see where this goes? Because the guy just there was like heads being chopped off, hearts being removed, and I'm like, do I want to know where this goes? The the beheading yeah, scene. The beheading scene for me. Uh, was, was the rough. moment where I realized that this movie was way more comedy than horror, and mm. uh, oh, man. <laughs> and we were in for no. in for a ride um, because the first two the first two murders in the movie are like are pretty like intense and graphic, um, or the first three murders in the movie, um, and then they just like knock these two people out and they have like a little surgery scene. Um, yeah, the surgery scene was gruesome. Yes. I agree with Angela. That was pretty gruesome mm -hmm. and pretty shocking. And even its approach at comedy was like uh, odd in a way that like made it unsettling a little bit. It's very but off. Off. Angela, I'm so sorry that you missed the fencing because they, because th there was a trampoline part mm -hmm. of the fencing. Like it was beyond goofy. The, the, the fencing really was probably the best part of the movie. Way. And I, I, I wrote I even on my notes when I was writing. I'm like, the, the fencing is the best part. <laughs> I agree uh, completely. Peter, <laughs> what did you think of this movie? Let's... Yes, I'm so sorry. I no. have a lot of questions for you, Angela. I really appreciate you hearing your thoughts tonight, and I absolutely understand. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, sure, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> like, I don't... 
Like, this is one of those where I'm not going to think too hard about this movie, right? Like, this, and, like, because, because this is, like, exactly sort of what it is. Like, what you see is what you get, and, and they really had, <laughs> like, as part of a murder scene, fencers jumping on trampolines, attack, like, and, and whatever. Like, this was great. So, like, so it's difficult for me to, like, sort of, uh, judge it critically or to, or to think, like, real nuanced critical thoughts about it because it seems like they had an idea and I think that they executed on that idea very well, right? Like, that's, like, where I come down on it, right? Like, whether, like, should this movie have been made? Is, was the world a better place for having this movie in it? I don't know. No. You could say that about a lot world. of movies yeah. mm-hmm. that exactly. are still treasures. But I, and... the, but I don't think it's a worse world for this movie being in it. Uh, uh, so like, so it's a little, it's a little bit forgettable. Not really at all until I think about those trampolines. <laughs> um, and you could really like tell, and you could just tell. I don't, I don't have an endearing relationship with Vincent Price. Like he doesn't like. I don't. I'm like, he's sort of like Elvira to me where it's like, I understand that this is like a person that is attached to horror in different ways. Uh, and, uh, uh, but like, I don't have any sort of like relationship. I think especially because when I was like in my late teens, there was a, uh, I saw an interview with him of like talking about how he didn't like the horror movies that he was in and kind of like trash talking a little bit. Oh wow. I could be very much misremembering that. I actually tried I to would, look it up and I couldn't no, find it. I, I saw some definitely. quote reading about this. I usually don't like research the movies too much. Like I don't want to read what other reviewers say. I don't want to read any like analyses or anything like that. Cause I don't want it to cloud my own impressions of it, but I do read the Wikipedia articles usually. And I, I think on the Wikipedia article, it said something along the lines of, um, uh, that he he did always want to like play Shakespeare. He always thought he was kind yeah. of like typecast in this you know like horror genre or whatever. So he was like looking forward. You know, he thought this was a good, good reason to sort of play Shakespeare, kind of. No, for sure. And like and so like so entering this without like uh, no real negative or positive ideas of Vincent Price. Like I don't know. He was having a blast, and I was having a blast <laughs> with him having a blast. And like I think that's what it comes. Like I think everybody in this movie was having a great time. And I was kind of having a great time with them. Loved the costumes. Loved how little of it made sense. Loved the, <laughs> like, early 70s British aesthetic of it. Like, uh, and so, yeah, like, I don't I don't think it was a great movie, but I'm very glad to have seen it. And, like, it's, uh, I'll take it at its face value. Corey, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I think that it had a novel conceit. Uh, it's not one that, you know, I necessarily would have ever come up with. Um, you know, a serial killer that is going around killing based on, you know, Shakespearean, you know, uh, you know, tragic deaths. I killing, think that, he's killing reviewers though. Killing yes. like that, which, which hit home for me they, who has re- reviewed. They right. trashed his theater career. My God, the yes. dastards. I mean, I almost saw it as like this, like Shakespearean meta fan fiction or something like that. I don't know, and and, and I will say that I don't think that I am the target demographic for this. Um, Who is wizard? I, I, I don't know. Like, I I, I feel like just, I, I know I I do know. I'm just gonna sound just stupid and ignorant or whatever, but I do know a couple of uh, British people, and they do know a lot more about Shakespeare than the average American does. Um, like. Uh, one person had like a t-shirt that uh, they wore all the time that had the entire play of Hamlet written like in tiny letters all around it and stuff. Like, I think it is much more baked into the culture. And I mean, I've seen 
maybe somewhere between half a dozen and 10 Shakespeare plays in my life um, and, and read a, you know, a couple for um, some classes and stuff like that. I'm not like steeped in all of his work or anything like that, um, but there were a number of them that they were like uh, killing with that I just, I hadn't even heard of. So uh, I don't think I'm necessarily the target demographic um, for it. I, I think if you were really into Shakespeare and um, this would have maybe like, played a little more like might have been a little more I don't know rooting for what the next thing was going to be uh it did make me want to watch Titus again though I haven't watched that movie in a long time <laughs> I know I haven't watched it Oof. in probably at least a decade decade and a half I really I might watch it again next weekend um Oof. it was fun to watch you know Price ham it up um and that's like really I think what you're there for is to, to watch him embody these characters and kind of go buck wild at one point I was kind of, I was kind of like losing interest in it at a certain point. And I was wondering like what it would have been like if it would have been written maybe as a more of a mystery. Like there were these, you know, mysterious killings going on and they had to piece it together more. And like the audience also didn't know. And so you were trying to figure it out, but then you would miss out on the opportunity of having, you know, Vincent Price be, you know, in the spotlight the whole time. I would, so I, uh, I would like to just point of order, Corey. There is a mystery in this film. Who is that yeah. strange mustached man? Which I saw immediately. Helping Vincent too. Price. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we were watching it, and like, I, I like turned for you. I'm like, that's his daughter. Like, it's, <laughs> that's what that's gonna be. Um, Obviously, Diana Rigg in a mustache. Yeah, high fidelity and better sound really does remove maybe. a lot of mystery from older movies. Um, <laughs> I think ultimately, instead of maybe a mystery, I kind of wanted maybe more a little more humor, a little more jokes. Like it, it was a, a comical tone to it, but I could have used maybe some more like laughs. I wasn't really laughing when I watched it. So um, it, it's an odd, uh, it seems like it would have more of a cult following than I feel like it does. Um, I, I don't know. I, it feels like an odd little culty movie that, yeah, I didn't particularly love, but I'm glad that I watched it. It wasn't like it didn't have a, a set tone. I agree with you. Like I, I, it took me until probably that like that bad surgery scene to be like, oh, this is oh, maybe this is what they're trying to go more for. Uh, and it took a while to get there because those first few things were the first like twenty minutes were like stayed is the word I want to say. Like not boring, but like more like you know old schlocky horror mm -hmm. in the way that uh, I felt they said it. Wizard Chris, what's your take on? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. This this movie was great. It's like it's like an ultimate midnight movie, like just like bright red poster paint everywhere. The fucking fencing scene. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It is. It's a movie that definitely yeah hinges entirely on you are about Vincent Price and this like tone of of horror and this kind of movie or you're like, nah, I could take it or leave it. Um, or you found it, you found it like somehow like wormed its way into your deepest anxieties, which I think is an interesting reaction to this movie. Um, yeah. Uh, all these kills are great. Like the start of the movie is, yeah, I agree with you, Peter, very like, um, very like stayed, I guess we can, we can go with that word. Um, the first murder scene is pretty intense. Um, you never think about like the are the like gangs of like roving uh, murderous street people that can easily be like coerced into becoming a, a, a 
well, whatever Vincent Price needs them to be. He's got, like, that much charisma. Which, which they never really understand. That was a big plot hole for me of, like, what is in it for this, like, group of... I, I thought that they were people who stuff. also had their careers destroyed. Purple stuff. Like, I thought were they? Were, they? Was yeah. that explained? I thought they were, like, theater people who also were destroyed by the critics. Oh, I must have missed that. I, I think I, I missed that part, too. I like the idea that... Uh, I like the idea, yeah, that uh, actors, after they wash out of the British theater scene, just kind of live under a bridge and drink purple... <laughs> like, drink radiant purple <laughs> liquid. Um, I loved that. I loved the purple liquid. <laughs> just, like, slugging huge bottles of it left and right. Every actor who played one of his, like, murderous gang would... Like, they all were, like, each, like, unique and hilarious-looking. Like, really, like, hamming up the, like, we're mad. Um, England in the 70s must have been a shithole. I guess that's why we have punk rock. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, all, yeah, Juicy Murders, Red Poster Paint. Um, yeah, um, it's difficult, I guess. Like, obviously, without, like, it's hard to sort of, it's hard to, it's hard to sort of explain the movie or, like, how much I enjoyed the movie um if you can't like it, like if you're like eh, well what's the do you if you what am i trying to say if you're uh if you don't have like that kind of like vincent price like if you don't get if you don't have that like a relationship with him as like a horror icon that like specific like if he, he scratches a particular itch i guess in like the horror fan in me um and yeah, the movie like totally hinges on him like doing Shakespeare. When he comes out in that friggin' that Shylock outfit, I was a little upset at first. Um, I thought, oh dear, um, mm-hmm. just oh dear. Um, but then you kind of forget. You're like, yeah, it's theater, whatever. British theater is racist. Big surprise. Um, and then he cuts out that man's heart after using his daughter as uh, as a honeypot, like. <laughs> it's totally off the wall. It's totally like nothing makes any sense. Um, this one man, the one reviewer who survives the film, he's like somehow like the police don't seem to be doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy's like, I guess I'll just try and solve this mystery. It's probably Vincent Price. Um, but the police never seemed to be able to do anything other than there just was, show up. And There was one and, thing that I, I did note. It was um, after, after they convinced the guy to kill his wife for cheating on him which you know that's a totally normal thing that people i guess people do do that but like it seems like hard to like uh hinge your plot on someone deciding to become a murderer when they find out that their partner's <laughs> cheating on them um he's he's like get him to, to kill his wife he, <laughs> he seemed they, to they, have they almost, some expectation that that would happen yeah, but again they, they almost present that as like of course that's an inevitability that he's gonna kill her like i don't know that seems a little um because Not he also knows he's in Othello, and he also knows he has to kill his wife. Um, right. It's very meta, meta-textual like, that way. When they run out the door, and they're like, I think that guy's murdering his wife. The cop is just like, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, he says, thanks for like, telling me. It's like, there's a murder going on. It's like, oh, thanks. movie does <laughs> not make the London police service look very good. What were you saying, Angela? Oh, well, two things. Um, there's kind of a joke, running joke, I think, in British cinema about cops and investigators and how they're portrayed um, because there's another mm. film Gosford Park um, which was I think such written by what's that such a good I movie didn't you, Robert Robert Altman. I didn't like it I didn't, of course I didn't that's fine great movie oh. Robert Altman <laughs> I know you well I'm not surprised anyway 
um, there's a whole part where the cops come in to investigate a murder and they're completely useless. Like they're contaminating evidence. So this isn't the first time I've seen a bunch of bumbling UK police people. But um, another thing I wanted to mention is um, in the ni- early 1970s, it would be really surprising actually that's uh i'm not surprised at all that they used it as a plot point that the woman got killed for cheating um most domestic violence laws weren't passed um until like i mean they if they did start getting passed they were like in the 1960s and that was just like the very beginning and we didn't really see real domestic violence laws in this country till like the early 90s so in many ways like killing women was totally okay especially for cheating um, so I'm, I'm really not surprised that, um, it's presented so cavalierly as a way of, of ruining someone's life or two people's mm-hmm. lives. Um, but just throwing that out there. A lot of people don't realize that those domestic violence laws are so new and that, you know, it's actually quite revolutionary and we're still kind of reacting to them. Yes, I, I, I did not mean Didn't to uh, suggest that it does not happen. It, of course, does happen, and it is you know, very serious. I think the way it was presented was highly if un-serious. this, then that. It was like, it was very obvious. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I think that's like, you know, the. I think that's what we're talking about or what you guys are sort of referring to in part when we're sort of discussing the tone of the movie. There are instances here that are like pretty, like, Maybe like a little like grandiose, um, you know, a little grand guignol, um, but like there are so there are like moments of like real like like dirty, scary, like mean horror in here, and then Vincent Price comes out in like a Richard the Third costume, and he does like a he monologues for a bit, and and it's like a straight performance of Shakespeare, which I very much enjoyed. I kind of feel like I would enjoy listening to this movie uh, like as an audiobook or something like that, um, except for all of like the screeching and screaming. Um, but yeah, there are moments that are like actually like legit horrific, and then there are these moments of comedy. Like I keep coming back to that trampoline scene because goddamn, like it, out of nowhere and for no reason. Um, or the, the it just gets already goofy. The, the Titus Andronica scene, too, where, like, all of a sudden the guy walks home and, oh, now you're on this TV show that I Googled and didn't actually exist. I and, also like, looked at it. Yeah, it's just so... <laughs> I was like, is that, was that a real... Is that, is that something an English that, thing? Is that something that in 1970-whatever someone could realistically expect when they walk into their home that there would be a television show filming that made them food? And I looked up and that, that did not exist. But that was but, uh, like ridiculous, good murder, juicy, juicy kill. Sure. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. No. As soon as the dogs were on screen, like in the early part of it, I was first of all that guy is the best critic. Um, he's the obvious, most cartoonishly, you know, ridiculous, like boisterous, you know, you know, huffy, you know, of the critics. He's my favorite, and those dogs are not going to make it to the end of the movie. <laughs> Chekhov's dogs. Chekhov's dogs. <laughs> When do they? When do they get eat or strung up in someone's shower or yeah. what have you? Um, will Price monologue them to death uh, <laughs> before the end of the movie? I don't, I don't know if I have any like firm thoughts about it, but I'm curious what you all think about the whole premise. Uh, and maybe it is because because I am a journalist and I've had to review many things, including theater, uh, and I've had to write negative things about whatever and like whatever and like you know 
I've never ever you know feared for my life over it. Uh, but it's but it was like it was very much like a um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know if you all had any thoughts because I don't know if I have it specifically, but it was definitely something that like caught my attention of like, uh, I can see, I can see this happening. Like I get, I not maybe realistically, but like, you know, people hold those reviews and, uh, with, a uh, with a lot of dearness and reviewers with a lot of contempt sometimes. So there's, I believe it's before he cuts out the, uh, the cut, I believe it's before he cuts out the critic's heart that Vincent Price goes on, like, a very impassioned rant about how, like, criticism is, like, the product of people who can't make anything, so they lean back and they judge others and they rip, they rip, like, honest work to shreds because, because people read them if they, if they're mean about it or whatever. I mean, we are being critics here. Like, that is what we are doing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. One of our listeners is gonna kill us. We won't know who, but it's... But their daughter will be in a wig and a mustache. So you'll be able to spot her uh, right away. Um, yeah. Um, so he goes on that, like, impassioned rant. And, like, I, that obviously was, that to me was very obviously, like, coming. Vincent Price rehearsed that that a number of times, I'm sure. Because you really put a lot of uh, a lot of emotion. You can hear a lot of that. Uh, I'll hear a lot of, a lot of like belief in that i don't know if that's a magnificent performance or if that's um vincent price's feelings on like the the critic and their role in society but there's a lot of talk in this movie about kind of like the relationship between critics and actors and um yeah you know peter as you're saying like as a journalist like these reviews do matter and they do make a difference um but and it's like it's I don't know and I feel like there's an underlying of mistruth or half truth to that monologue because if he did think that these were just hollow words, then why is he taking them so personally to the point of of murdering them? And, I guess and, they like affected his career, or he could have the like make that link. And why did but, he want their approval so bad? And yeah. also then, like he it seems like he almost got this Critics Choice Award, like he was the sort of like the um presumed the MTV, recipient mtv kids award mtv kids award <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he was Very the presumed recipient MTV and yet kids award. yeah he was the presumed recipient of this critics choice award uh and yet he had also had a career that was completely maligned by all these critics for so long um so i, I never really understood did, did they like them did he yeah I did find that point confusing. Is he a good actor or a bad actor? Like, I think he's a great actor, but within (laughs) the context of the movie, what did people think of him? Um, Well, I guess there were things like he only ever did Shakespeare, and so that wasn't, you know, they wasn't showing his range properly or whatever. I found that particular line about being, about saying, I was being critical in order for you to push yourself. I found that disingenuous. Like, uh, that particular (laughs) critic didn't want Vincent Price to murder him. (laughs) <laughs> well, and and I'm going to float this uh, very uh, probably hot take about this movie and suggest that maybe it's just not very well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would accept because that. Because I really 100%. don't think it is. <laughs> it's really pretty yeah. badly written. There's like the second murder, I believe, is like the guy going to help the police like clear out squatters or something. That's the and first murder. Like, uh, no, I thought the no the first. Oh, I guess that is the first murder. Yes. Yeah, yeah he shows murder. up. It was just like, why are the police like call like why is this guy like the, yeah there were a lot of links and like there were a lot of pathways and like uh, the the plotting is I guess what I'm saying. Plotting was very bad and strange and not good. Uh, but 
I'm not a, I'm not expecting it, and I don't judge it for it. I just I know what I'm getting, and they know what they were making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I yeah I agree, Peter. I mean, it was it's a it's a it's better than it's better written than most slasher serial killer movies, you know, like which ultimately this is what this is. It's a it's a slasher movie. It's a it's, it's, it's only a better Friday written because it's, a, you know, it's only better written because thirty three percent of it was written by the Bard, um, right. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and we can get some we can get some enjoyment out of that. Um, props to Shakespeare for writing a third of Theater of Blood. Which, I hope you got oh, credit. also on the Wikipedia article, they said the original <laughs> title was uh, Much Ado About Murder, which I think was yeah. is a better title. It sets, a different, so it sets a different tone, I think. Mm-hmm. We, would, we, would all, we would all be clear on what kind of movie we were watching if we were sitting down to watch Much Ado About Murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also, this is the second movie. Is it the second movie or maybe it was the third movie that ends in Fire? Yeah, uh, and just like burning it all down. Yep, I love funny. a good, uh, a good, you know, Frankenstein like Lady Carrie. Always a great way to end a movie. <laughs> um, just carry her up to the top of a very tall building and then die. <laughs> Everybody loves it. Um, I mean that that fencing scene, that fencing scene, because it like escalated yeah. in goofiness, um, right? It starts and, uh, with and also, his with his like French or German accent. It's a little bit muddled <laughs> what he's trying to do. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, then, like, hello, monsieur. <laughs> there's just one point where he does a flip off the stage. I'm like, okay, they're putting a lot of animation in in this uh, Vincent Price character, and leading up to the triumphant climax of the trampolines uh wow wow <laughs> i don't really have any more to say about it i mean what what indeed can one say mm-hmm. um yeah did we so did anybody laugh did anybody laugh at yeah. any point during this movie no. i laughed at that trampoline and i laughed at the at the surgery thing that was pretty mm-hmm. goofy and silly that's when i yeah, that's when i broke and i was like oh, okay this movie's this is a, like a farce with organs and and blood spatter. Yeah, I don't think I ever actually laughed. I mean, there were, there were parts of it that I was pleasantly amused by, and uh, parts that like caught my attention more. But I wasn't. I don't think I ever broke out into laughter. Oh no, I think I did actually did laugh at the cops' reaction when they're like, "That guy's <laughs> that guy's I murdering his wife," too. and he's like, "Oh, thanks." Oh, I, I think oh, I actually thanks. did laugh at that. <laughs> I laughed at that as well. Um. What I would love to know, uh, Chris and Angela, if you have a of a, a, a more more of a history with Vincent Price, like where this movie, what this movie lies in within his oeuvre, this like is sort what of is mid career, right? I mean, it's but it's past I his glory that, days, but it's he still goes on for a while making um, other movies. Yeah, I think it's late. So this movie, this movie is like kind of a kind of a rewrite slash spoof of the abominable dr fibes which is a movie that he made in like 1970 71 it's like kind of like late period like mid late period 71 price That's what I'm um but fibes is also a movie where like a, a disgraced uh a disgraced doctor uh, a disgraced character uh wreaks revenge on the people who disgraced him um hmm. in like a thematic way um it's a much better movie uh as far as horror goes, but um, yeah, like at this point, I mean, it's 1973. Like Vincent Price is doing, he's not. Um, I think he's like those. 
he, those Roger Corman films that he did, those Edgar Allan Poe movies, I think are sort of like late 60s, like mid 60s. Uh, strong recommend, a uh, very timely one, uh, but also not on Criterion, which is something that I want to move into. Um, but I recommend everybody sit down and watch Vincent Price in The Mask of the Red Death. It is so good um, and a little bit scary and timely. Um, but, um, yeah, one thing that I guess sort of ultimately what was on my mind is I knew that this was going to be this was going to be a movie that uh, that would have some varying opinions. Um, why is this movie in the Criterion Collection? <laughs> well, it's not in the like collection. I, let's let's make that distinction. I doubt. Yeah, that this it's is on the channel. channel. It's on the channel. But, the, it's on but the they channel. do. But well, why? And but I but I mean like because they did put a host of new stuff on October for uh, you know uh, for Halloween. Um, and I like I think this does fit in line with other things that they put in there, right? Like they put in a few things that I feel fit right in line with this like 1970s, early 80s sort of. Um, there are two specifically. One of them is a movie called Let's Scare Jessica to Death, which is an excellent movie. But it's also like a, it, I don't think it's a horror comedy, but it's like um, but it's definitely like uh, a more of a slasher, sort of like a reworking of that, like an experimentation with slasher film. What a great movie that movie is. And then also is the uh, one I watched a couple weeks ago, which is uh, Sleepaway Camp Massacre, which is... Or is that Sleepaway? Not Sleepaway Camp Massacre. What is it called? It's um, uh, uh, Sleepaway? Yeah, because Sleepaway Massacre. Camp is... Sleepaway that Camp whole series is, is terrible, and I could go on a rant yeah, on it for an hour. It's... It's not that one. It's um, uh, it's Slumber Party Massacre is what oh, it's yeah. called, and and that's like that's on Criterion Channel right now as well. And I feel like those are both like that's definitely like a, you know a, a horror comedy slasher experimentation film as well. So they, they, this this seems like right in line with that. I don't know. This seems like a classic movie. It's definitely this, like I'm very gl- yeah, like a classic midnight movie, like. Yeah, sorry, Peter, go ahead. No, 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 like, and, and I've said, and I'm a broken record about this, and I'll say it in probably every episode we do, about, like, I love trying to fill in specific gaps mm-hmm. of, like, of my film knowledge about these things. And and I, so my, I mean, my favorite, my one of my, like, top three movies of all time uh, is The Wicker Man from 1973, just like uh, another English horror film that was made a year after this. I, and I... Like, I think I'm thinking specifically of, like, the genre of horror comedy, which I do totally treasure, and I, I guess I didn't think... Uh, it's it's just filling in gaps, right? Like, I think the earliest one I would have plotted before seeing this one was... Uh, it is earlier than this, but it's Fearless Vampire Killers, which is a Roman Polanski movie um, from, like, 67, 68, which is just goofy all the hell. Like, it's not even gruesome at all. It's just trying for, like, weird, goofy laughs and stuff. Um, and so, like, I, I enjoyed this, and I'm glad this was on the channel as, like, uh, here's where English horror and English horror comedy was in the early 70s. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, as, like, a, a certain time, certain place, a certain kind of movie. I think this is, like, a really exemplary piece of, like, that kind of, when we're talking about, you know, figures in horror like Vincent Price or Christopher Lee or Elvira or whatever, like... There is this like there is this like little slot in horror that is like super camp and super goofy. Um, well, but it was also a parody of England at the time. Like I feel like this was also meant to 
you know, skewer like the English public of the early 1970s as well, you know, in from what Angela said about the police and all these reviewers in this relationship and, and artists at the time. Like, this is a very, like, you know, it's meant to skewer society, put a mirror up to society. And... <laughs> Who better than a spurned actor to uh, show England as a nation of hypocrites and monsters? Mm-hmm. Um, it's poetic and beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I could go on and on about it. It's, it scratches an itch, and um, it's... Yeah, it's super camp. It's very excellent Vincent Price. Um, not especially, like, scary Vincent Price, but, uh, you know, it's it's watching... It's definitely watching, like, a one-man show. Um, what did we think of uh, Diana Riggs' performance in this movie? Uh, does she seem to anybody else to be, like, making a completely different movie, or... Um... I felt like every single actor was making their own personal movie. Um, Diana Rigg called this uh, the best movie she ever made, which I think speaks to uh, the kind of person that Dame Diana Rigg might have been. <laughs> I, I, so I don't know like actors' names very well, uh, and I, I'm not really familiar with who she is. Um, she's uh, Oleana Ty- Tyrell on Game of Thrones. Uh, she was oh, uh, Emma Peel on she? The Avengers. Um, she's a big deal in Britain at this time. She's like a huge deal in Britain at this time. So like to see her in this movie, um, I think would have been very striking for people. Um, like, oh, I didn't recognize her. Uh, well, the mustache, very like, <laughs> very convincing. Um, yeah, for the first part of the movie, I'm like, oh, what a beautiful man. And then I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. That's a woman, that's Diana Rigg in a mustache. Um, <laughs> but it did work on me for like a half second. Um, very, very happy. Uh, very, very happy that that was a thing they decided to run with in the movie. Um, women, women disguised as men, classic Shakespearean trope. Like, yeah. it's all there, there guys. These guys went to fucking college. <laughs> what do you think is uh, Vincent Price's best movie? Is it Abominable Dr. Fives that you've, that you've seen? Uh, that's such a hard question. Um, I think that The Mask of the Red Death is probably his best movie. He is a he plays a satanic prince um, shut up in a castle during a plague. Like it is just, it's like more dread and gloom and like a little more horror and like gothic than this thing is. Uh, um, probably one of my favorites. All of all of the Edgar Allan Poe films that uh, that. Uh, Vincent Price made are really really good oh no I would suggest everyone stop what you're doing right now and see um, the Witchfinder General uh, starring Vincent Price uh, he plays Matthew Hopkins Witchfinder it is Angela you, you would not like this movie it is, <laughs> there is too much there's too much witch huntery and people suffer and uh, it's a real like so don't, bloody like so don't melodramatic tale <laughs> yeah, I, I could definitely picture myself as a witch in that situation, 100%. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Don't need to do that. Um, yeah, really intense, good horror. Um, strong recommend uh, The Witchfinder General for Vincent Price. I, I realize kind of what my my problem is with, with this movie. Um, and part of it, as some of you know, is that like dry humor goes way over my head sometimes because I generally view the world, like I take the world at face value mm. and I trust it and I take it seriously. And so some humor just goes like 
way above my head. And when you put it combined with a situation to me as serious as murder, like I'm just not able to see the comedic parts of it. But I was thinking to myself as I was listening, you know, what would have made this me buy it as a more of a comedy? Because I like comedy horror. That stuff's kind of funny for me. But this, it, I felt like this film was flawed in that it didn't exactly know exactly what it wanted to be. Or maybe it was, as Corey suggested, really targeted towards the British audience. Um, because I, am, I was thinking, like, if Monty Python and the Holy Grail did this movie and, like, were all the characters in this movie, I probably would yeah. have loved it and laughed my ass off. Um, but, I actually kind of had still, a similar thought myself. Yeah. Like, if they, um, if they had taken oh, that conceit, it would have been really oh, amazing. Yeah. Huge. Um, and still have Vincent Price in it. Um, that I, I could have been okay with that. Also... A thing that they could have played up more um, was just how horrible these critics actually are. They made the critics too sympathetic. Mm. And they, for me, they just made it too, too like, especially the beginning shots. Um, were, it, it was too, like, uh, law and order and not enough, like, goofy horror. And, think, and so... Uh... Oh, no, go ahead, Angela. Oh no! Uh, so I just feel like uh, that was that was the thing. I want to see these cr- these critics just be really awful people to make me feel like this horror is a little more justified. Uh, because tr- I have a hard time in even in non horror films watching bad things happen to innocent or stupid people that through which like they really have no fault. That makes me really really uncomfortable. Um, so. Uh, I think this is actually a pretty good movie and emblematic of its time, especially in the horror genre. Um, but like, I just cannot stomach, and I feel like such a wuss. But it's not. It's, and I feel bad because everybody here has been so great at watching everything that they don't particularly like. But when it comes to sort of like violence and stuff, that has a really difficult impact. Like that's not just sitting through something that's boring. It's sitting through something that might give me my nightmares, which I don't really want. I have enough. No, of nightmares. course. No worries. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. No worries at all. That's yeah. Horror. I'm not that's like, that's like, there's some I, things that people don't want to touch. You know, I don't care for like extreme violence unless it's accompanied with like a shit ton of like bright red poster paint. Um, for a while, um, for a while uh, on Criterion Channel, Herschel Gordon Lewis's The Wizard of Gore uh, was on, which is another movie in a similar tone that I would recommend to people. Her- Herschel Gordon Lewis movies are beyond cartoonish in terms of like graphic violence, but everything is so that that blood and the staging of it is never quite right, and so the tone is always a bit like Carnival of Horrors, I guess, a bit like funny but not funny. I can see how that doesn't sit well. Um, I can see why that wouldn't sit well with you. A kind of like, a kind of like frank depiction of violence that is intended to be funny, but it's it's more frank than anything. And I I don't love horror as a genre or anything like that. Like I'm not gonna like sit down and subscribe to the Shutter you know channel and like just binge horror. Like that, that's not me. But I I do like good movies that are that happen to be horror. Um, like I. Some of my favorite movies happen to also be horror, but I'm not going out of my way just to kind of watch any old horror, except for like real schlocky, stupid, like yeah. 80s and 90s, like horror. Um, yeah. I, I do like those and have been watching but a I, lot of those in October for Halloween. And 
And I think with this film, Angela, I really do think it's the tonal shift because it definitely doesn't know what it wants to be. And even when you do have like it doesn't and it has like it's a it is definitely a build up to that comedy, which is just not great writing, in my opinion, or like not great filmmaking, maybe in my opinion, because it's like, oh, if you're going to have you should set people up for for fencing trampolines. If that's what you're gonna, if that were, is that, <laughs> that's where you're gonna go, uh, and and I agree that there was just like, and it wasn't that it was never comedy. I think the comedy about fencing trampolines is a lot different than the comedy about with that surgery, with that head beheading uh, craziness. No, I mean um, I think that's it. I think so I, I think it ultimately comes down to tone. It it yeah. it could have had a more consistent tone. It could have decided what it wanted to go for and kind of stuck a little closer to that. I, yep. I gotta disagree. I okay. think this movie knows exactly what it wants to be. I think it knows exactly what it is. Um, and like it's definitely easy to see how that doesn't how how that doesn't feel right. Um, but I think this from start to finish, like this movie has a hundred percent clear idea of like how like when it's gonna get silly. Um, how silly is it going to be? I, I like when blood started spurting uh, during that beheading scene. I laughed out loud. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, and that was funny. And, and I was looking here, and like this is Douglas Hickox, who's the director. It's he. He's well into two decades worth of directing experience by the time he makes this. So, seemingly oh, yeah, he'd be knowing is, what he was doing. This is not like a. This is not like somebody's first movie, and like this is. It's just, I think that it's, uh, I think that maybe, I think that in English horror films, bad things happen to good people, people who don't deserve it. It's because England is a depressing place to live, um, and it makes the people there depressed. Um, and in American horror, you see a lot of people get punished for things, like the killer mm. often is the killed. puritanical Ooh, stuff. You're like, kind of, yeah, like, you kind of deserve that. Um... The, yeah, the, the characters in this film are, you know, other than they're all a bunch of toffs, like, it's not really, you know, they are they're largely, bad, they're just doing their jobs, they're man. They're bad as well. There's that enormously creepy scene of that dude, of the, the girl seducing that, that agent guy. Like, they're all bad. I, very, I really want to push very back. gross, yeah. If I can, I would love to push back a little bit on that this is a distinctly or specifically angled towards a British audience because I really don't think it is. I don't think like a lot of the humor is all that British. Vincent Price was born in St. Louis. Yeah. Like I like I just like like I like I just like uh, I don't I that's I think I think more of it's, it's I think it's more of like just tonal shifts because I I disagree with you Chris about this film always knowing exactly what it wants even though I think that is what I said when I opened it up. But when Angela mentioned like the first like law and order parts of it, <laughs> I remember like, "Oh yeah, that first 10 minutes was like kind of really boring and dry." And like, what it, what even is this? Like, what? And I I think you know I don't know. It was it it didn't cap. It took a bit to captivate. It took its time getting for me for to me. like a consistent tone, a consistent pace, kind of thing. Yeah, before I knew what I was in for, and I think uh, yeah. I, don't know. I thought that that Law and Order that Law and Order start was grim and gritty. I was like, ah, oh, this is this movie's just all. This movie's immediately gone to ten. So <laughs> many, so many stabbings. Ugh. So much. What you, so wait, purple liquid. I, I'd love to ask about other horror comedies. Like I, that's what I was. You had said you enjoyed them, Angela. I was going to ask you about like what you thought of things like Shaun of the Dead, 
or something like that. And if love Shaun of the Dead, love it. Um, like I remember seeing that in, in the theater. Well, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I lo- also a huge fan of Spaced, um, based on that mm-hmm. first viewing of Shaun of the Dead. Um, if you have never seen Spaced and you like the Cornetto trilogy, watch the um, two season UK series um, written by. Simon Pegg, Spaced is, is incredible. I mean, especially it's if really I'm good. 41 years old, um, if you went to college in the late 90s, early 2000s, or were a young adult in this time, it, you, it'll take you back to some, you know, to, yeah. you know, pre 9-11 world where hope was still alive. Um, so I highly <laughs> recommend it. It's really, it's subtle and funny. But I do, I mean, I it's like wonderful. Shaun of the Dead a lot. Um, and Hot Fuzz even had, had elements of that. Um, for me, just the way that the tone was set, um, I don't, I don't, I don't like the slasher stuff. Doesn't just like the, the idea of torture. I mean, there's a lot in Game of Thrones that I, I purposefully averted my gaze, my gaze on, Hmm. but, um, yeah. Uh, so that there's, that's just my nuance, but I just want to reassure all of you, like, please keep choosing. Don't, don't. You know, <laughs> don't avoid these films because I, I want to know what are my boundaries. And I'm mm-hmm. learning on this first one that personally I don't enjoy being being a part of the planning and implementation of um, mm-hmm. gruesome murders. And I think it's given us a lot of talk about like I, I don't think it's been like a roadblock uh, in yeah. like a conversation. Like I really appreciate like how how uh, that gives a lot of thought of like what is it about this movie because because I, I hope I'm not coming off as badgering at all I'm, I'm just genuinely like curious because I also I also love to know my own film boundaries and what was it about this that prompted this emotion or this experience I so when, whenever someone says like horror comedy the first thing that pops into my mind is Cabin in the Woods I feel like that's the yeah. quintessential horror comedy in my mind or whatever and I just think of that as like a profoundly clever movie they're just everything in that movie is just like one clever thing stacked on top of each other and like it's even got great rewatchability because like there's just so much Mm -hmm. cleverness in it that you forget about a lot of the stuff in it too and i feel like this movie probably could have used a little more cleverness i don't know it's a it's an interesting conceit (laughs) but then uh just some of the stuff was just i don't know scream it it wasn't taking me by surprise ruined Scream really ruined <laughs> horror's ability to just be straight horror yeah, and not have to be like endlessly true. self-referential. I, I love Cabin in the Woods, but my I have goodness. some Wes Craven stuff to talk about in the last part of the podcast too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, horror comedy is, is a great. I love it. It's a. It's a. It's a. I, th- I feel like it's an often like undersung genre because there's so many good ones and i watched an amazing one that's on hbo max right now which is i completely flew under my radar it's called snatchers and it is so fun and gruesome and it's just like and again i think about a movie like that i think about a movie like cabin in the woods i think about another one of my recent favorite uh murder or horror comedies uh death happy death day if you all haven't seen happy death day, oh so delightful but i think about like these movies and again this is like with 40 years worth of like 2020 hindsight sure. um but i think with like all of these movies th- from start to finish they're just like they've they know what they're telling and they know what they're going about um so Boy, I'm coming more critical about Theater of Blood, and I don't want to... That's the that's the magic of the podcast. It takes yeah. you to 
takes you to adopt ideological positions you never would have found yourself on. <laughs> well, speaking I of... I love Vincent Price. Do, do, Boy, what a good one. Speaking of, do we want to roll the die on this, uh, Angela? I think I it's like, time to roll the die. Uh, for Angela, I feel like your Ooh. die might have fallen off the table on this one. You're going to oh, fumble? Boy. Did you fumble? No. When the die falls Wait, we off... should set up what is the what are we talking about? We should say what it is that we're saying. Sure. Chris, Chris, do you want to? Right. So uh, if you're just tuning in to, uh, to our, uh, our adventures here, um, this is the point in the show where we all uh, we all give our uh, we all give the film a rating out of twenty. Um, we're Why still out of 20? we're still uh, because we we do love ourselves some uh, some d twenties and some d and d. And uh, also, I think that uh, in theory, this is a like more finely tuned scale than uh, out of simple ten. But we'll find. It's working. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it? I think maybe it's. I really like good. it. I'll be curious to see like an aggregate at the end of uh, at the end of a season or whatever. See, was there any internal consistency to my picks? Mm-hmm. We should make a graph. I think I most people rank their own picks higher than they generally rank other people's stuff. I've just kind of picked up on that. But that's, that's also like it's, it's, it's a self-selecting kind of thing because we are picking things that we think are going to be interesting for ourselves. So it's already yeah. kind of set up to probably rank higher for the person that picks yeah. it. That's very true. I was highest on real life. Well, who wants to start? Angel, do you want to start it? What, what, do you, what are you going to call this? How should we do this? These shenanigans. Um, so earlier, someone mentioned that the die just fell off the table. And yes, well, that does happen. Sometimes when the die falls off the table, it rolls at 20. So um, <sighs> it did not. Oh, my God. Occasion. Um, but um, I'm going to give it a seven just because like and, and it's an OK film. It's uh, I feel like in someone else's hands, it could have been magnificent. There was a lot of potential here. Um, I think that Vincent Price was really amazing, and um, I'm sad that I wasn't able to get on board so I could really have the Vincent Price experience. Um, and I just think that that's due to subpar writing. I'm glad Criterion Collection included it because it is a, a part of the 70s horror milieu, and um, I think it's a good thing to have to compare it to better things. Um, but thank you, Wizard, for sharing it because uh, I, I like that there was a little bit of controversy um, I really wanted to like it, but I'm just maybe it's we're just too close to the election. Everybody's too close to the election for work. Yeah, yeah, for me or anyway. Anything. Uh, Peter, what uh, what are your thoughts? What are you rolling on this? Well, you know, I really uh, got a thank you for giving me. You know, I had no points, positive or negative, for Vincent Price, and this gave me some points for Vincent Price. Uh, and it was also just good schlocky fun. Whatever. I can be as critical as I want, but this was still, like, enjoyable. I, you had said, Chris, a, a few times calling it, like, a midnight movie. And this definitely is just, like, mm-hmm. I could imagine, like, having a great time in a theater with friends, like, at an actual midnight movie watching this. And, like, if this should ever show up in one of my, like, local Brooklyn, once theaters are open again, uh, I will gladly, like, <laughs> try to get people together and go see this movie. Like, I gladly. Um, so I'm, like... Oh, boy, I think I just raised it with myself. Uh, no, I'm going to stick with 12. I'm going 12. Like, because I, I don't think it's great, not groundbreaking, whatever like that. Love that it gave me an appreciation of Vincent Price. I think it's a, a wonderful uh, a bit of what it is. I don't think the world's a great, better place for it, but it's definitely not a worse place either. 12. And I, 
you know, how do you judge judge something like this? This, you know, sort of culty, yeah. schlocky, you know, horror movie. Am I really going to be judging this with the same sort of thing that I would judge, you know, Casablanca or something like that? Probably not. That's the magic of the D20. Still, still walking. And, and, I, and I, Yeah, still walking. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, and I, I um, you know, I love schlocky horror, too. Like, I mean, I love all the, like, the Friday the 13th movies and all that. Um but I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's like the one to 20 is like, how do I, how did I feel about this in aggregate? And I, I felt like a 10 on this. It was fine. I'm glad I watched yeah. it. It was good. You know, I don't think it was brilliant or anything like that. So I felt at the end of the day, I felt very neutral. So I'm giving it a 10. It was, yeah, it was the thinking about it actually being a midnight movie and how much I actively would gladly see it again at a midnight movie mm-hmm. setting that, that kicked it up. Which I think, Chris, yeah, you? I think that's the, the highest praise you can give something like this. Um, yeah. Give give Vincent Price props for his Shakespeare and give the rest of the movie kind of a, you know, a high five for uh, for being something that I'd want to take my friends to and, like, uh, yell obnoxious shit and just generally have, like, a good time well past my bedtime. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I actually I was trying real hard to be like like objective about this because uh, you know I could fan I could like fanboy out about it, um, which I don't think like <laughs> I don't think is actually necessary. Um, I liked this movie, but it was definitely not like my favorite thing of his that I've ever seen, um, and so I'm sitting at uh, at a fifteen. Okay. Um, nice. I liked it a lot, but like it's like a. It's a specific taste, and yeah, I wouldn't see it again until until I'm sitting in that Brooklyn uh, that Brooklyn movie theater. <laughs> great, so great, great job, everybody. Um, so we're gonna turn it to Corey, uh, who's gonna hit us with his pick for next week. Sure. Uh, so next week I have chosen uh, Barbara Koppel's 1976 uh, documentary about the coal miner strike in. Harlan County, USA. That is the name of the movie. Harlan County, USA. Oh, I'm so excited. That's yeah. such a great choice. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. To, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we haven't ha- we haven't done a documentary yet, uh, so I think that's um, cool to be able to watch a documentary. This also uh, launched uh, a very long and illustrious career. Uh, Koppel has dozens of films and documentaries, and this is her second one. Um, so I'm interested in seeing that. Uh, also, close to my heart, as I was, you know, born in Kentucky, uh, and this uh, <clears throat> was Peter. And uh, thank you. I, I will I will let people share when they want to share. So I'm not going to share for you. <laughs> um, and my step grandfather was from Harlan County, uh, so I have a bit of oh. Appalachia in my step blood. Uh, and then also, this is a Criterion movie. So as we've mentioned before, uh, not everything that's on the Criterion streaming channel is in the quote-unquote criterion collection which is around a thousand movies or whatever uh but this one is so i thought that'd be a cool collection. cool yeah i'm, I'm very excited about this. yeah that sounds that sounds like it's gonna be it's gonna give us a lot to talk about i'm excited for that one um all right well um we're gonna like jump into this uh this other thing that we like to do called uh what else you watching so, uh, Angela, Angela, what else are you watching? <laughs> hey, Angela, um, I'm watching Star Trek Discovery. I'm so excited about Yay! it. Yeah, I'm all, I'm halfway through the second season, and I'm 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 loving it more and more. Um, uh, 
my husband and I watch it and, and frequently look at each other and just go, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm so glad we're watching this. Because it's not very often does, that TV does that for me where I'm just like so happy about it. Did you just watch the first season and now are in the second season? Or had you seen the first season before? I started watching the first season when the pandemic started. But, you know, it's high action. And yeah. so I have to be in a good mindset to watch it right now because just you know this year i mean four years of trump i'm just pandemic so it's taken me a while but i'm back on the horse mainly because i was watching a lot of tng started watching more ds9 again but then um and also watched all of picard um but now that season three is underway i'm terrified of getting spoiler so i'm like oh we gotta catch on this train so i'm watching that um Oh God! What else am I watching? I oh yeah, amazing characters on Discovery. Fantastic! Michael Burnham is just unbelievable. Like so good. Sorry, didn't interrupt you. Adore her. Adore that actress. I like uh, incredible all the way around. But also, I saw the new episode of The Mandalorian. I will say no more than that. But like the amount of joy I got watching that with my kids and my husband, like I felt the joy. I felt as a kid watching Star Wars for the first time, like again, but this time with my kids. And I haven't had that real feeling throughout any of these new movies, but the Mandalorian brings it. And like, it was high quality time that, that created memories that I hope like in the future, both my kids are like, Oh, do you remember when we used to all watch the Mandalorian together? Um, Oh, that's that's hell yeah. Um, Star Wars definitely, I think, like, cries out for, like, serialized television kind of storytelling. I think it's kind of reached the limits of what it can do with, like, your your Skywalkers and your Solos. Um, and that last movie really sucked. But anyways, we're, we won't be watching that again. Peter, what you watching? Um... Uh, several things as, as I'm want to do, I've, I've been like, not too many horror movies. I, I think I really splurged a lot in September and October. And I think I watched somewhere in the vicinity of like 40 to 50 horror movies over September and October. Uh, so I was, so I've been taking a little bit of a backseat. I'm trying to think of when this is going to come out. Cause I wonder if I can talk about the PlayStation five that I've been playing. Um, but maybe I'll skip that and maybe we can talk about that for another one. It's just um, a juicy tease. But, yeah, because that's been very wonderful and emotional in its own right, uh, playing th- playing Miles Morales. I'll just say, playing through Miles Morales and swinging around uh, New York makes me really miss this city in pre-pandemic times. And mm-hmm. I've been very nostalgic and very uh, wistful about the time when I can uh, return to the weird adventures that are so possible and and in New York. Um, I've also been uh, out of nowhere. I, well, I, I guess I know because the election's coming up. But I, I started watching, rewatching The West Wing. Uh, I, I know I don't like this show. Like, I knew going in, <laughs> but I'm, I really dislike this show. Um, and nothing has changed. Uh, <laughs> other than, like, I don't know. It's been kind of nice to have on in the background. Um... I don't know. Yeah, I've never yeah. quite understood uh, my father's obsession with the West Wing. Other than it, I guess it's like boomer comfort food. Well, well, a friend told me. A friend said that like uh, that it was like that Dennis Miller and the and the whatever once said that it was uh, porn for liberals, 
and I realized, and I shot back with, no, this is porn for Bradley Whitford's character in Get Out. Like, this is porn for, <laughs> for like, that character in so many ways. Um, it's just luxury and, of you know, it's all of the things, all of the criticism people have said. And I, but oh, I, so sexist, I, so, so I, upsetting. I, I haven't watched a ton of it. I watched, like, the first season of it. Uh, and then I watched a smattering of episodes back when it was on. Um, I don't know. Sorkin, right? Is the, yeah. the head writer yeah. or whatever. I mean, that it's it is good writing. It is good writing. Like, it's snappy writing. It's, like, engaging. There are... I, I I, re- I can I can appreciate it as you know um, as quality writing. This person knows what they're they, they know what they're doing and, and the writing team. And I can say and that I about think that's a point I can of- say that about stuff that I hate too. You know, even like if it's like even if like I don't appreciate their execution, I can tell that their skills are solely there. Um, but as I was watching that first season, I was like, um, I, I was feeling that porn for liberals, but it's like not just any, it's just like status quo liberals. Like it's, yeah. there, there is n- not a bit of any sort of revolutionary, like heartbeat in that show at all. It is all very like status quo liberal. And it was just kind of like, mm, this isn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be. I don't know. If, but, if the West Wing but is I like porn s- for liberals, what's the newsroom? Like extra graphic oh porn for liberals? It's, it's porn. No, it's porn for journalists is 100% <laughs> what it is. I watched that as a journalist, and I recognized it was aggressively bad, but still found like that touched my heart in the way that I think West Wing touched a lot of people's art. But wait, I disagree with you, Corey. Uh, from a, like an art perspective, like I don't think it's good writing. Hmm. I think it's like effective writing. Like I think it's very Sorkin writing. Yeah, like he it's very like, Sorkin writing. Sure. But at the, but it's the same thing. Like I don't think that's good. Like that's not good to me. I don't consider that good. Hmm. Like I don't like I don't think people talk like that. No. But I think uh, he, I don't he as think, a writer like, has a voice. No, but and I think he definitely has a voice and he exercises it, but like I don't think that voice is like it's not effective to me and I don't think it's good it's not but it's not that it's ineffective to me. Like I actively just don't think it's very good. Like because it is like platonic dialogues. Like right it's like it's like like he's in charge of the whole dialogue and you just feel like you're just being lectured to about like it's just It's I'm mostly the cocaine talking. And I don't I can, think it's I can good suspend my writing. disbelief with stuff like that. I can I can say like I, I'm not watching a documentary here. I'm watching someone's. Uh, it's almost like you know Shakespearean or whatever. Like people don't talk the way they do on Deadwood, but that is a great show with great writing. So do we know? Yeah, top do three we shows know? Of all time. Uh, do we know like how often people said cocksucker in the 1870s? <laughs> I'm sure someone counted. Uh, there I'm was sure an, oh. there was an article about this actually. I I think maybe the Washington Post. Um, they actually originally wrote the dialogue in Deadwood um, according to what the swear words, words would be in the time, but they sounded really funny because the swear words too. were like, like cockadoodle, what or what or something. It was just not, <laughs> yeah. it didn't have the same gravity that our swearing has now. So they mm-hmm. were like, fuck this shit. We're just going to say fuck a lot. Yeah. We're just going to say fuck a lot. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's good writing. <laughs> but that's just me. But that's just my my opinion. Uh, I think it's pandering and pedantic and way too assumed with itself. And I think Deadwood, De- Deadwood like David Milch takes himself out of the writing, and Eric and Sorkin refuses to. Uh, and it's just one man being lecturing you in multiple different voices, and it can be enormously exhausting. Um, those those are the things just I'm watching. Just remember that Aaron Sorkin's what was it? 
Sunset Strip did not beat out 30 Rock uh, when both of those shows came out. There were two shows in, I think it was 2007, that came out um, about show business. And one was Tina Fey's 30 Rock, the other was Aaron Sorkin. And no one was more surprised than Tina Fey that she ended up staying on um, and doing like seven or eight seasons and Aaron Sorkin's went um, hmm. bye-bye. Um, but he did do guest appearance on 40 Rock. Anyway, sorry, I digress. He did. Aaron Sorkin's no, Sports Night also uh, also did not have much of a run. If we're going to like take a segment of the podcast to pick on Aaron Sorkin, and maybe we should. Um, yeah, dude's got a string of failures. Look it up. All, watching Aaron Sorkin material is like being trapped in a bathroom stall with Aaron Sorkin, and he's just waving his hands at you and yelling and sniffing a lot, and you're Which like, oh my god. I can be in the mood for every once in a while. It's not, it's yeah, not a meal I totally. want to eat all and the time, yeah. but sometimes I do. And no part of me wants to take that from you. <laughs> and it's been okay. It's been and like, and I like I, I'm on. I'm at the end of season two now, and so I'm like, I don't think I hate watching it because it is, it is mildly comforting. Not like from a liberal perspective, but just like a a sense of normalcy in like a p- political leadership. Right. A sense of like a, you know, whatever. Like that's it's kind of nice to be like. It's like oh. a series of it's a series of moments watching people do their jobs well, right? And which like, that's nice. What are you watching, Corey? Uh, so watching, Corey? I have been watching a lot of like horror. There's just a lot of like schlocky, campy horror on the streaming services. Um, but uh, two that I wanted to talk about, uh, just one briefly, is Deadly Friend, uh, which is Wes Craven's. I believe it's his second movie that he made after um, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it is super schlocky. Uh, it's been a long time since I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, but like thinking about the impact that that had on popular culture and, you know, spawned a whole franchise and all that stuff. And then you go to Deadly Friend and it's just, it's like cratering out. Like I'm surprised that his career picked up after this. I, I won't really ruin the conceit of it. If people do want to go out and search this out and watch it, it's ridiculous. Where could people do that? It's laughably. Uh, I watched it with a friend um, who had, uh, is it on streaming or it. anywhere? No, it's not on streaming, but it was, oh, okay. uh, uh, someone had downloaded it and we watched it over like Zoom together or Discord. Um, but <clears throat> the lasting legacy that will, I'm sure, last. Um, so the, it, it's okay. So this, it starts off with this kid make this robot that's AI, super genius kid story. And the robot's name is BB, which is my cat's name. And in the, at the end credits, there's this like, ridiculous song that is this like uh nightmare on elm street kind of backbeat but then it's like someone programmed oh uh programmed the voice of roger rabbit uh also did the ro- the scary robot so <laughs> it's really bad um so it's i'm gonna watch this yeah. movie i've never seen this i'm gonna okay. find it um it was uh i um the so someone programmed roger rabbit doing the voice of bb saying bb on like a Casio where you can go, you know, then play the different notes of So now that is what my wife sings all the time to our cat is this B song. I also apparently rewatched It Follows. I didn't. Hey, I watched that two nights ago. I rewatched it again two nights ago. Yeah. Some streaming thing. I had seen this in the theater and completely forgotten about it and, and uh, Frida's like, no, we, we watched this together. We went to the theater. I'm like, I, I don't know. It was like halfway through the movie. I'm like, oh, I did. I just completely forgot about it. I think it has an interesting conceit. But, man, there's just not a single interesting character in that whole movie. 
And I think it's an aesthetic oh, wow. choice. I think he decided to make everyone dull and blank and just like non-characters. Uh, but I also questioned if he could write any other way. I don't know. He has some other movies that I haven't seen. I, I, I It's one of my favorites of the of the decade. Really? Definitely. Uh, I like definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's not my jam. Definitely. Like it's like it's definitely a choice to make everyone muted but i i personally think that there's a lot of characterization in that movie um to me for, but you know but um but yeah i i and rewatching it again was just like this is gripping and scary and so good i, mean, I describe the main character in like three adjectives that aren't don't include scared like there's just but she's also but i also like and also rewatching it because i uh i guess i hadn't watched it in maybe like 5 years or so like i think that there's a real good like 20s malaise like 20 21 19 year old malaise to it of just like a group of like chill friends like and they're all like kind of cool close, for school like but yeah and they're not even in a point where they want to start figuring it out so they're just like hanging out doing like stuff like i yeah i really dig it like i really dig it and it's muted it's definitely muted like uh, uh, and there's not like character quirks or anything, but like I think, and it um, wants to be. And there's a lot of like just kind of like long flat shots, and there's like these long panning Love shots it. that just go around to like get the whole yeah. 180 degree, which is cool. Like, and so I think that that's why maybe it's it was somewhat of an aesthetic choice, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've been watching. I think I'm gonna go watch Borat too after this. Hey, I watched that. <laughs> I guess I have watched. Yeah, I watched that a couple days ago. Let me know what you think. Wizard, what have you been watching? Did you? Say oh, that? oh gosh. I yes. guess. Yeah. Uh, what have I been watching? Um, so a couple of nights ago, I kicked back and watched one of my favorite uh, seasonal films, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's take on Dracula, um, which is <laughs> super lush and lurid. Um, it's uh, horribly, long too, it's, it's very so long. long. Um, a very poorly cast Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker, um, but a truly magnificent Gary Oldman as Dracula. And I'm a huge fan of the I original novel, and oh. it is, it is real good. Um, the production design is, is stunning. Chef's it's a kiss. great thing to watch. Just it's, a wonderful thing to watch. Um, beautiful uses of color. Um, beautiful like set pieces. All the staging is incredible. Anthony Hopkins is insane. He's doing a similar thing to Vincent Price in that movie. He is hamming it up, just chewing the scenery. Tom, Tom Waits is Renfield. Tom Waits is Renfield, um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, and I do enjoy watching that around Halloween because it's like my kind of like lurid and seedy textural horror. I don't know. I've never um, seen too bad it. about I really Keanu do Reeves. Too. Yeah, you, it is on the Netflix. Strong recommend. Mm. Um, I also binge watched this weekend Blood of Zeus, which is a Netflix animated show um, from the producers or from the people who did um, who's, who are doing the Netflix Castlevania series. If you guys have seen that, people love that Castlevania. It's no, very, it it's very it. good. It's very like gothic, demony, hyper violent. Like I don't know. It's kind. Of, it's like watching a very like gothic video game play out, which I guess is mm-hmm. what they're going for. Um, Blood of Zeus was pretty good, also like demon slaying, but now in uh, in the time of ancient Greece, uh, and the Greek gods are around, and you know there are demons, and it was fun to watch. Um, it. Uh, I want to call it out uh, since I have a platform, and I'm going to drag you all into it with me. I want to call it out for numerous instances of plagiarism from various other scripts 
um, from the action adventure genre. Um, Are they writers, plagiarism or is it homage? No, it's straight. They're straight up cribbing of lines um, and <laughs> like homage. emotions from from other movies. Um, I believe, if I can remember, it rips off Gladiator. Uh, I think it steals a line from Jaws. Um, these are not homages. These are this is straight up plagiarism, and I am calling them out. Um, shameful. Good show though. Um, do better next time, boys. You burnt. Just uh, yeah, we you are on notice, I guess. Um, there you go. There we go. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for all of us here at Crit Club. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week uh, with another exciting movie from the legit Criterion Collection, not the gutter Which is channel again? that like. What is the movie again? Harlan County, USA. Yeah. So we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.